Hey, what's going on, everyone? And welcome to Solo Rip number six here on the weekends where we have a little bit more time to be able to delve into this information uh, and be able to talk about it in a deeper, uh, more concentrated fashion. I appreciate all the response I've been getting for the Solo Rip. I love doing these and I plan to do more along with the main chain, uh, which is the interview episodes. So on Solo Rip number six, before we get into it, we're going to talk about signing devices. What is that? Is that a private key? How does that work? We're going to talk about Elon buying Twitter and some things that can happen with Elon now owning Twitter and uh, when it comes to getting rid of bots and when it comes to getting rid of spam. We're going to talk about fidelity and how Bitcoin continues this trend to just dominance on everything. Um, and we're going to talk about BIP119. I know you guys are probably exhausted about BIP 119. I won't exhaust you any further because I'm not the most technical person when it comes to BIP 119, uh, but I've absorbed a ton of information as you guys as well. And that's what we're going to talk about in the solo rip. I'm going to cue the intro now and uh, we'll be right back after the intro. I also made the case for winning Bitcoin, the quintessence of scarcity premium. Scarcity premium. It's literally the only large tradable asset in the world that has a known fixed maximum supply. By its design, the total quantity of Bitcoins cannot exceed 21 million. Bitcoin is the hardest money that has ever been invented. If you don't have my private key, you cannot spend my Bitcoin, period. And this is the power of Bitcoin. It's the first time we figured out how to create true property that you can take possession of with full custodial rights. Back out of here. Welcome to another episode of Talking in Bits, where we walk you through Bitcoin bit by bit so we can provide you with the information you need to succeed and persist. Like I said a little uh, in the beginning of the episode, back with solo rip number six, uh, we don't have a mind your block segment today. Uh, we have a few people that I have to schedule that have reached out. So look out for those. But this is just a friendly reminder. Donate to the devs. Donate to the show. Get 10 minutes to mind your block here on the show. Check out last week's solo rip where uh, G, our very first uh, um, volunteer to be able to donate. And uh, I'll be posting up those donations to OpenSats in the near future. Follow us on TalkingInBits.com on Twitter. Uh, sorry, not .com, but TalkingInBits on Twitter. Uh, my personal is Deathbed, D-E-F-B-E-D. Um, you can find this on like IG and those other places, but I honestly don't handle those. So all the signal is going to be on those Twitter accounts. But a reminder, support the devs that make all this happen. Support the show for all this great content. And it's a win-win. You get to come on and mind your block. Uh, so let's get started here. Um, NVK and CoinKite did one of these things where they usually always do where they take a domain name um, and they actually like reference something with it. And this situation is calling hardware wallets, which is what we all know as, you know, our keys and how we secure our Bitcoin. Remember, friendly reminder, get all your coin off of the exchanges. If you don't, get ready for the blunt trauma that's coming your way. I know that sounds very deep and, and rough, but this is exactly the truth. The history of Bitcoin, if you've looked far, further, far enough, you've seen examples of this happening. I saw just one today of an individual, um, you know, basically paying off their collateral with BlockFi. You guys know I'm not a fan of BlockFi and basically getting uh, the weight game, right? That whole like, hey, we're, you know, verifying that this is actually you, aka we don't actually have this Bitcoin and now you're going to wait till we can find it and allocate it to be able to give it back to you. So hardware wallets is what we know. Cold card, um, my personal favorite. Um, there's Passport, there's Trezor, there's Ledger. Um, there's a lot of them uh, popping up here and there. But 
you know, I've heard I heard this talk late last year, but it finally came to fruition here with uh, with MVK's posting. But um, trying to go forward and call these devices um, signing devices, because if you really think about it, your private keys are agnostic to the device, meaning that once this you know code card or once this device actually generates these private keys for you. You can actually grab your seed phrase and bounce around from device to device. You can have it on multiple devices. So in order to call this thing a hardware wallet or a private key um, kind of makes it, in my opinion at least, sound very specific to the device. Private key is here. Um, but after the private keys are generated and after you get your seed phrases, the only use for these devices, honestly, is just to be able to sign for transactions. So whether it's a single SIG setup and you're about to send some Bitcoin from your single SIG to uh, uh, you know, a friend of the show or just a friend in general or you know, to a vault or anything like that, well, you have to sign with your private keys you know, in order to prove to the Bitcoin network that you have ownership of this UTXO to be able to move it along forward, right? So signing device is actually very accurate on what these devices are post creating your private key and post generating entropy and getting your seed phrases. So um, I, I don't know if signing devices, in my opinion, is is the you know final and last answer that we should actually go with here. Um, I actually saw um, Jan Pritzker from Swan. Shout out to Jan. He was on episode three of Talking a Bits very early on, uh, very you know ahead of the game when it comes to Talking a Bits and his value. But I saw him go back and forth in MBK and no beef or anything, just logical explanation uh, and explaining that a signing device doesn't really portray ownership. And I might be butchering this, but doesn't really portray ownership to the owner of the device like keys do. When somebody thinks about keys, they think about unlocking, you know, a garage door or unlocking their front door and being able to get to their valuable stuff, right? Unlocking a safe, they need a key. So his argument was, is that although signing devices uh, and sorry, Jan, if I'm butchering this or paraphrasing this in the wrong way. But what I got from it is, is if your device is, uh, if you know your device has a private key, you understand it as it being the uh, unlocking mechanism to your treasure, to your Bitcoin, to to anything that's valuable, to the possessions inside your house, to the car inside your garage. Now, when you say signing devices, that kind of takes the emphasis away um, and it's not really accurate on, hey, you know, this is uh, used to unlock or sign a transaction, right? Because unlock that transaction, that UTXO, and be able to go it forward. Um, I'm kind of sitting in the middle here. I, I understood exactly what Jan was saying, um, and I understand that that um, Jan was actually talking more about like the normies, uh, like people that are not as advanced in Bitcoin or people that are early in the journey. And I do agree with him in the sense that you know, for the normies, if we're trying to onboard the next you know million people, if we're trying to do these things, then yeah, he, he's right. Keys are are, are probably a better option than hardware wallets and keys are probably a better option than a signing device. Um, but just to be, you know, on the other side of the fence here, because I am on the middle here, that could actually be a, a trend of this episode because when we talk about BIP 119 later on, I'm kind of in the fence about that too. Um, I kind of like signing device because it's actually accurate for what it does. And when a normie advances their education and when a normie advances their logic to the level of, you know, understanding that you're signing to unlock that UTXO with your private key, then a signing device is extremely accurate and actually puts me in the, in the reference of, you know, my private key is agnostic to device. You know, my seed phrase is the key. My seed phrase is 
the thing that I should be protecting that unlocks my valuables. But when it comes to the actual hardware wallet, it's a signing device, right? And we talked about in the previous episode with, um, uh, in previous episodes when we were talking about CoinKite and they're having their tap card and the MK4 being a, an NFC-enabled device where you can tap. In that situation, it is a signing device because if I walk up to a terminal and I use my MK4 to basically tap onto that terminal, what I'm telling my MK4 is, you know, hey, my balance, my UTXOs that I have here, I'm signing, I'm tapping, I'm signing permission for you to be able to conduct a transaction with that terminal and be able to approve my UTXO, my Bitcoin to be able to be sent over. So a lot of this has to do with, you know, normies and what they understand. But a lot of a lot of this stuff, in my opinion, with, um, you know, MVK and CoinKite pushing that as a signing device is, you know, their newer products, whether it's the, 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 the signer card, the tap card, I forgot the actual name of it, um, or the MK4, or any of these other devices that have NFC, I think in that situation is actually more accurate to start the verbiage, start the trend, start the language of being able to sign with this device transactions that I'm about to commit or that I'm about to approve is the better term there. Um, and, you know, I like signing device. I, I, you know, maybe, you know, I'm still... When I say I'm on the fence, I'm open to hearing more of like Jan's opinions of like why signing devices is the way, but I'm not mad at signing device. I think it's actually very accurate. And I think, you know, even the normies would have to catch up to the language. And when the normies, you know, in the next few years actually start to tap their hardware wallets, it's going to be less about cold storage. Not that that doesn't exist. It's just, you know, there's a difference cold storage, but it's going to start to separate the language between this device can only be a cold storage device. And hey, this device can actually be flexible, meaning that I can have a seed phrase or one device that is cold storage, but I can also have a signing device that I'm going to be walking around with and tapping, you know, terminals, uh, NFC wise, uh, or with the card, et cetera. So um, signing device is a new term. I've heard this late last year, so I don't think it's new. I just think it's one of those that nobody actually committed to calling it that, but I'm with this. I think MVK got something here. I think CoinKite always got something cool going on here. And uh, I'm willing to listen to you, the listener, or just read any type of arguments, uh, especially from high-level Bitcoiners like Jan and MVK on, you know, where this kind of lies. But if you want to transition away from a hardware wallet just being something you hide everywhere and, you know, you keep because of cold storage and you try to keep in a safe or in a, whatever it is that you keep it, I think this is the right trend to be able to start now normalizing you know, everyday use of your device and being able to tap and being able to sign these transactions out. Let me know what you think. Super interested what you think. It's a super interesting debate as it is, but that's where I stand on with signing devices. So go check that argument out on Bitcoin Twitter. It's not an argument. It's more of a, you know, a friendly debate. And then, you know, come back to me, respond to me at Talking in Bits or at Deathbed and let me know what you think. Um, I'm always interested in what you guys think as the listener. Um, before I go into Elon buying Twitter, um, BIP119, if you haven't seen it on your feed, I'm, I'm very surprised. Um, and this is one of those like inner Bitcoin uh, politics or, or, or discussions that, you know, has, you know, has big, you know, implications on Bitcoin in itself. Um, but also, you know, some people just take things way too far when they try to explain things. So um, last Friday, as of this recording, I was actually out in Austin and I was actually able to watch um, Jeremy's, uh, Jeremy Rubin, 
his presentation, his workshop on CVT, which is BIP 119. I'm not a developer, but I believe that's um, op, uh, check template verify. So CTV, um, uh, check, t- and basically, in a nutshell, TLDR, if I'm not mistaken here, what this is going to allow to do is allow you to have smart contracts on Bitcoin. Um, that's an Ethereum thing. Yuck, yuck, yuck. I know we don't like to use that word here. Uh, but the argument is, is and, and I'm kind of with this argument, is, you know, there isn't a world or there shouldn't be a world. And and, and I think um, a lot of the things that we're starting to see with Taro um, is kind of leaning in that direction is, there isn't a world, I don't think, where we can't look at the competition, scope out what the competition is doing that's kind of well and that's kind of good um, and try to make it better here on Bitcoin and using Bitcoin as its foundational layer. Um, I can hear the people killing me right now. I get it. I, I'm not the biggest you know, person in here, but I saw a use case scenario um, where, in my opinion, like in a vault, for example, and... and Boy, I could hear everybody tearing me down here. But on a vault, for example, let's say I put 10 Bitcoin into a vault, right? Like one main vault, right? And I know that that vault is secure. Over time, though, I want to make sure that my children have their own wallets and actually get like a drip of this Bitcoin that moves from this vault. And that's pre-designed from the moment that I make this vault, right? So a smart contract. So in that example, currently... Yeah, I could have a vault and then I could set up other multi-signature vaults or whatever. And then I could manually just move, you know, that Bitcoin over um, to my children's vault in this example. So manually, after six months, I can say one Bitcoin goes to this vault, sign. One Bitcoin goes to this vault, sign. One Bitcoin goes to this vault, sign. Yeah, I got multiple kids. (laughs) Um, And that's fine and dandy. That doesn't mess with Bitcoin's fungibility. That doesn't do anything that we're not used to. It's a very uh, thoughtful action, meaning that you have to commit to do that and you have to sign to do that. But, you know, I also like if it's safe enough. See, I don't know enough about the safety. I don't know enough about the the risk factor. I'll be perfectly transparent here, which is why I'm not going to dig into this very long. I just wanted to bring it up because it, it is an interesting topic and it is one that I've seen way right, way left, not in the political sense. I don't like that stuff, but in like a legit, like this guy's over here saying this thing, this guy's way on the other side of the fence saying this thing. Uh, and a lot of reputable Bitcoiners, OG Bitcoiners, um, Jimmy Song, a bunch of them are basically against um, the, the fast activation for this protocol. I don't think they're really against it completely. Just the fact that, you know, Jeremy's insisting that this thing get like a, like, like a, a fast, uh, you know, signaling from from the network to basically activate this. I'm kind of against that too, by the way. I think a lot of things like Taproot, for example, took about three years or so. I think these things need to take a lot of time. So in that sense, I agree with the people against BIP 119. But back to the example, what if I just have to fund that one wallet and I know because of the contract that was created that this is just going to drip down to my kid's wallet and all I ever have to worry about is continuously funding that main wallet. That's a really cool setup. Um, is there a way to do that now without doing the manual signing and all that? I don't know, but I haven't seen one. And I think when it comes to lineage and when it comes to kids and when it comes to just like scheduled, what I would call maintenance or scheduled movement, I do definitely see a place where this can happen as long as it's safe and as long as it doesn't mess with Bitcoin's fungibility. That's the part that I don't know enough about. But while being out there and watching the workshop, while listening to like, you know, the, the OG Bitcoiners and seeing a lot of stuff on Twitter, you know, I, I see both sides of the fence and I'm kind of here in the middle about it. And I would love, 
you know, maybe I could get somebody on the main chain on the main episodes like Jeremy or somebody else to come and pitch their argument. And then conversely, I would love to get somebody to pitch the opposite argument to BIP what 19. Um, I don't think that we should just because it's an Ethereum thing or because it's another shitcoin thing immediately eliminate this. Right. Um, but I don't think that this anything on the network should be something that is super rushed out there or get on it right now type deal. And that's where I'm a little bit lost on BIP 119, um, you know, CTV uh, covenants. Is, is, there's many different smart contracts is kind of what it is. Um, I actually remember back in November, I was actually out in Austin and saw like the early version of this from Jeremy as well. So this is something that he continues to polish out. I believe he has a bounty out there with a lot of other well-known Bitcoiners to try to find flaws in this and, and, and things that bugs, basically. Um, so this due diligence being done here, but does it have to be immediately embraced? I don't think so. It's obviously that it's not being embraced. Um, and it's a very interesting um, inner Bitcoin uh, battle that's going on. Um, I don't know if it's at the magnitude of big blocks versus little blocks, but something like that, where one side is saying, hey, this is actually very cool and useful. And another side that's basically saying, get the fuck out of here with that. That is nonsense. We don't need any of that. Um, very interesting stuff. Go check it out. Go, um, you know, go into like the bigger big corners. Um, I think you could probably search BIP 119, CVT, Covenants, all this stuff. Uh, Jeremy Rubin has a website that goes to it, et cetera, et cetera. There's a lot of information out there. Go check that out. Actually got a hat of ear to the show notes because I didn't plan on talking about it, but I keep seeing so much about it that it, it was good to bring up. All right, y'all. Biggest news, I guess. Um, I don't really play into this stuff, but Elon actually pulls the trigger and uh, and, and buys Twitter. Uh, $43 billion, something like that. Some crazy number there that you know most people in the world will never get to or be able to own or possess. But fascinating nonetheless. Um, that one person literally walked into a corporation or a company and basically said, hey, my pockets is big enough to buy you. I'm buying you. Right. And there's obviously huge incentive for the board to sell. Um, I believe Dorsey's on that board and actually got like a nice cold billion out of that. Hey, why the hell not? Right. Buy Bitcoin, Dorsey. I'm, I'm sure you know that. Um, but yeah, Elon walks in there and then immediately everybody's simping. Oh, freedom is back. Freedom is back. Uh, oh, he's going to, you know, open up the the, the forum, uh, uh, the free market for communication. Oh, now, you know, the Trumps of the world can come back and Alex Jones and all that. Oh, blah, 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 blah. Y'all just don't seem to learn y'all lesson when it comes to these heroes. Y'all really don't understand that what's really going to play out here is whatever narrative is going to basically line up with Elon Musk's plan. If y'all actually think that freedom is now unlocked for some whatever reason or, or that anything is changing, you must be mistaken. You must have forgotten the troll that basically pumped a, a doge and continue to do all this bullshit and, and shit on Bitcoin as much as we can, especially when it comes to mining. Um, y'all must be bugging. And, 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 you know, it doesn't mean that Elon can't learn, right, or like adapt because, you know, we know Sailor has a history of dumping and shitting on Bitcoin and now... Giga Chad is, I guess, with. I'm not with any of that, man. I, I slay my heroes. Matter of fact, I don't even put the heroes on the pedestal. So this is not anything different for me. Or oh, the rule is going to be a little bit lenient. Maybe. Like, right? Is it going to be less censoring? Maybe. But only to the point that his incentives still align with doing that. So if we start to 
if Twitter starts to become a main revenue source for open platform, then sure, I, I could see Elon actually like saying, hey, let's keep it open because the money's coming in. But I promise you, once he figures out his incentive, whether it's, hey, man, this open source thing is making more people walk out than it is staying. I'm just giving examples here, but, you know, and it's not good for our bottom line or whatever. He's either going to A, sell Twitter, or immediately you're going to start getting people banned again, right? So, like, I don't trust, although I respect Elon and everything that he's done. I mean, he's, you know, everything he's landed on, he's pretty much transformed everything from all the way back to to PayPal, to SpaceX, to Tesla, to everything. So, I, I'm I'm optimistic that he can transform Twitter, but y'all don't learn y'all lesson with these guys, man. These th- these are a different breed of species of animals or humans, if you want to call it that. These monkeys have supercomputers on and uh, on riding their incentives to profits, riding their incentives to whatever to the to paradise or whatever it is. And I don't see this being any different. So please, you won't see no simping from me. Please don't do that uh, uh, because. What's going to end up happening is your heroes are going to let you down. And in Bitcoin, we don't even have heroes. And if you want to separate this conversation and say, well, Jose, this is a Twitter thing or freedom of speech thing, not a Bitcoin thing. Maybe you're right. But I'm on Twitter for one reason and one reason alone. And that's Bitcoin. So maybe y'all on there to see other news and health news and all that. That's fantastic. I'm not on there to do anything but to ship host and to catch up on my 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 Twitter, uh, my Bitcoin stuff and yeah, I think censoring is still going to continue. It's just going to have a different flavor, if that makes any sense. So another thing that, you know, a lot of people, Jack Maulers jumped in there, um, have introduced is how do we get rid of the bots and the spam on Twitter? Um, a lot of people think that the answer is uh, lightning integration. Um, I saw a, a, a nice thread here that I'm about to pull up here from John Carvalho. Shout out to John, uh, OG Bitcoiner. He was just on the recent uh, episode 62 of the main thread. Go check that out. There was a lot of bombs being dropped on there, a lot of truth and value being dropped on there, and uh, a lot of sneak peeks at what's to come uh, in that conversation. So go check it out. But th- this really good arguments here. Uh, I'm going to read this verbatim. I'm going to skim through it, of course. But, you know, John says adding BTC costs would not work and would cause a bad custodiable, censorable behavior. I agree with this. Even then, it would only reduce the bots to their value of return, not remove them totally. Remember, right now it's easy for bots to come on and have a high return for whoever's running the bots, right? Whether it's controversy that they're trying to stir up or whether it's actually value in dollars that they're actually getting back. That's just going to reduce their value, but it's still going to you know, uh, amplify them. It's still going to make them more laser focused. Sort of the example of like, you know, when security goes up, criminals just get much more, much better at, at, at being criminals. They don't get worse at it. They don't get deterred. They just open up new avenues for them to get better. So I see this as kind of being that similar example. John goes on on this two of six thread to say it also required people to somehow toggle filter out accounts that did not pay because you can never get everyone to really pay at once, right? And, and why? Why is that? And this is the part that really got me. Bitcoin can't actually handle adding millions of people at once. So fees would go up and people would turn to custodial solutions to handle this. Bing, 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 in my opinion. I think that's absolutely true. We try to act like, you know, every 10 minutes that there's no repercussion for a massive influx of people coming into Bitcoin. Now, we want that in in the long run and we want to have this like trend of going up. But if that were to happen, then guess what? Blocks become much more fuller. Mempool becomes backed up fees go skyrocket and then you letting me know that you know hey it's worth it to post on twitter if i gotta wait this long or whatever would be impossible 
Um, Lightning can do that, but remember, Lightning channels also need to be on-chain to open and on-chain to close. So you you may lighten the load of the, the chain, but if you keep amping up that number, well, guess what? Opening channels for Lightning is also going to be heavy on the on the mempool, which is going to make opening those channels that much more expensive. Um, three of six. Custo- and I'm going to leave this link in the show notes for y'all. Y'all can check this out. Custodial solutions remo- remove u- unique UTXO factor. They add censorship. They reduce privacy. And that's very un-Bitcoin. Another issue is that requiring payment will filter out poor people. People that do not have BTC, et cetera, and we'd still be left with the bots um, that can turn a profit. So this is also an argument in Bitcoin. We like to be, you know, single focused and basically say like, everybody has Bitcoin. Well, that's not exactly true. And if you want to go back to the argument of this being a freedom platform for anybody can say anything, well, what happens when I'm broke? What happens to my voice when I can't afford to have the voice? Easy. The same thing that's happening with censorship. I don't exist is what happens there. So, um, you know, he goes on here, five or six. Filtering spam from open listening peers is hard. Uh, You need more than one factor to triangulate if this is a real person or if this is a bot. So, you know, I'm going to, you know, the only fair and effective solution is self-moderation through webs of trust. Uh, This is webs of trust is also something that John spoke about in our episode that we just released here. So definitely go check it out. This is very interesting and fascinating. Um, Is there a solution? People much smarter than I can definitely come up with a solution. Um, Do I want bots to be less and and to be gone? Of course, we all want that because even now we suffer with knowing who's actually legit and who's actually not. But is it as simple as just adding uh, lightning or strike API to Twitter? Eh, might be nice for strike, might be nice for a few. Doesn't really solve the problem at scale, in my opinion, and with my limited knowledge. Uh, you guys have heard me say this on the on, on the show, and if you know me personally, it's one of my favorite lines. I don't know shit about shit. That's just a a short uh, explanation to say I'm more than open to being wrong, and somebody can respond to me and let me know what's going on. Um, in other big news, uh, Bitcoin continues its trend towards dominance. Um, not only, you know, today Central Africa made uh, Bitcoin legal tender, second to El Salvador. Um, I don't know if y'all ever seen the size of Africa. I don't know if y'all even care. You should care because when you can fit the United States, when you can fit China, when you can fit India, when you can fit all of these countries inside of one continent, that's how big it is. I saw somebody post an image earlier of like a Google map and to get to like mid slightly North Africa, all the way down to South Africa. It was something along the lines of like three days. Holy shit. Like that's massive. So um, looking forward to, to to seeing, you know, that type of dominance that's happening there in Africa. Um, but on, you know, more American standards here, a lot of people have retirement plans. Most people go through Fidelity. That's just one of the older guys. Uh, Vanguard is another one that is probably going to follow suit here. But Fidelity announced that by the end of this year, they're going to allow their 401k, you know, um, you know, uh, clients basically to be able to, you know, put money into Bitcoin. Um, I didn't really see the logistics on that. I'm sure they're custodial. I don't know if it's a GBTC type thing where it's exposure to Bitcoin or if it's actually Bitcoin. Nonetheless, though, Bitcoin's continuous dominance uh, all over the world and all over industries continues with this announcement here. Fidelity, I, I forgot the number here, but they have huge amount of client wealth uh, within their system, within their walls. And just them being open to do this, 
just says a lot, man. And back to the last solo rip, when I was talking about what makes me bullish, and I was talking about how eventually this is just the way that makes sense when it comes to transacting, and people are naturally going to use the best way, fastest, safest, um, private, right? The, the, the best way to transact is going to be in Bitcoin. And eventually more people are going to start to see the value of that. Eventually, and this is happening every day, more people are starting to see the oppression of keeping your money in banks. So this is just another flag, another signal for me to say, this shit is happening, y'all. And if y'all not, and if y'all listen to this podcast and you're on the fence about Bitcoin, or you know you have a small net worth into Bitcoin, I really think you should ramp up your research, right? Because I don't want to be the single point of failure for you, but I really think you should ramp up and start really digging into into what the benefits of Bitcoin is for you and what it can do for your family, for your wealth. Uh, um, and this is just another signal. If you have a job and it has fidelity, uh, and you have a 401k that you're stacking into. Man, this is a good opportunity for you to start ramping up that exposure. Um, I'm pretty sure that this is going to be that they're the custodial and that's a different problem. But if you're set on retirement and you're set on 401ks and you want to get away from stonks and get away from the the, the S&P and all that, this is a nice way. I think Vanguard is going to follow closely right behind this. Why wouldn't they? Once the competition starts saying, hey, we're going to Fidelity, Vanguard has no choice. And this is the dominance of Bitcoin as it continues. Fiat is playing catch up. Don't drop your guard. Um, and, and even if you get exposure, make sure you start learning about self-custody and make sure that, you know, maybe even before committing to a 401k, you start getting Bitcoin into self-custody for yourself and maybe split your pot into your retirement with 401k Bitcoin, but also your emergency, emergency um, sovereign fund on a cold storage of Bitcoin. And there is a world, in my opinion, where you can have both. Uh, I'm a little bit deeper in the journey. So I'm going to say 100% sovereignty, self-custody. But damn, I won't be mad at somebody who has a job for 10 to 15 years who really just wants to allocate their 401k into, into Bitcoin. Um, that's sort of what IRAs are doing. That sort of trend continues. Um, they've shown us before. This is a warning. Expose yourself to this if you're already in that you know, channel that pipeline of retirement, but they have shown us before that they will take your funds away. So let's not get into this trend. And this is where I'm signing off on this episode here. You know, expose yourself to Bitcoin however you see fit, but let's not get in the trend of trusting them with holding our balances. This is what happened when we moved off the gold standard. They gave us a very nice and convenient uh, platform for us to be able to hold our gold and be able to go back and get it whenever we want. And, and these, you know, convertible uh, paper is pretty much what it is or certificates. And then what happened? They rug pulled everybody, literally the globe, uh, uh, not just the Americans, but the globe. They rug pulled them with this same type of thing. Um, let's not be ignorant of history. History, you know, is a pattern that if it's not exact, it definitely often rhymes. Um, and if everybody starts flooding into IRAs, into 401ks, into these what I call fiat channels and chambers, there is an, an avenue, BlockFi, where they're going to pull the rug underneath you and say, this Bitcoin now belongs to us. You deal with our convertible note or whatever it is um, and basically go F yourself, go fuck yourself. Um, you know, get exposure as you can. This is signal when it comes to dominance and, and, and it taking Bitcoin taking over everything. But it is a fair warning for me and a lot of other Bitcoiners that have seen similar. If you leave it with them, they can do whatever they wish. And usually that means take it away from you. And when the government catches up, 
I'm sure they're going to start to look at these places first in order to be able to pull that from you. All right, guys, I wanted to keep these solo rips small, concise. Thank you for giving me your time. I give you my time, so I give you my heart. I do that twice a week, and that's for a reason. That's because I feel that this is my my place here. This is my this education that I can give. This information that I could provide could help you, could help a loved one. So please indulge it, share, subscribe, tell a friend to tell a friend, and we can keep this information moving. Uh, a reminder that you can come on the show and you can talk your shit. You can tell me I'm wrong. You can tell me I'm right. We can talk together. You can plug something that you're working on. And all you need to do to do that is reach out to at Talking In Bits uh, on uh, Twitter, uh, at Deathbed, which is my personal one, D-E-F-B-E-D. Um, and 10,000 sats will get that ticket in for you. 5,000 of that goes to open sats for the developers to make all this uh, privacy censorship technology possible. And 5,000 sats stays to keeping this high quality lighting and 4K and all this content coming for you guys. Um, don't be a stranger. Don't be nervous. Don't be scared. If you just want to support and not be on the show, that's also an opportunity for you. But I like to give value back when value comes in. So a reminder that you can do that. Um, you could check us out on Bitcoin TV for video. Um, you know, we're also on YouTube, but let's try to push, you know, Bitcoin uh, products and Bitcoin companies. Uh, Bitcoin TV is where we're at. Works just like YouTube. Search for us, Talking in Bits. Check us out, indulge on there. Um, if you're not into that and you're already on YouTube, we appreciate your support over there as well. Um, same thing goes for audio. Uh, check us out on Fountain App where you can stream us sets. Uh, from your own node or from, you know, Cash App or from wherever your wallets, uh, wherever your Lightning sats are from. Uh, it's also a nice way to get introduced to Lightning with low stakes, right? You don't have to pay $50,000 to find out that Lightning is not for you. You can easily load up a wallet with a thousand sats and you can stream us even down to a sat per second or a sat per minute um, is actually the, the accurate term. Uh, you could give us a boost as well. Show us some love there. Um, if you don't want to try that technology out, then please support us on the legacy stuff, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. On Spotify, you can actually see the video as well because they have that feature. Um, and you can, you know, Google Play, you can check us out anywhere. We appreciate you guys as always. We're continuously trying to make this show better. If there's anything you like or don't like, don't hesitate to reach out because ultimately I do this for y'all. I appreciate y'all. That wraps up solo rip number six and I will catch y'all next week. Later. <laughs>